0: It is a privilege to be able to do this job. Whether you're in fire or EMS or both, serving our communities when things are going south is a big responsibility with big risk involved. But we love it, don't we? In prior episodes, I talked about mitigating risk and making sure you're fit for duty and all of that. But today, I'm going to focus on a concept that I think a lot of people just don't understand. It's the concept of safety third. So, today I'll talk about what that concept is and what it means, how changing our perspective on the shouts of safety first from our organizations and other private companies are directly contradictory to why they exist, and how embracing this concept can help us be better prepared to do what we need to do when the time comes. We feel like it's up to us to hold the line as we lie. Coming back on shift after a glorious 16 days off to spend some time with the family, I saw that my turnout gear had been professionally cleaned. My organization, like probably some of yours, uh, contracts a local company to do this for us semi-annually as well as after structure fires. We get a professional cleaning done where we get all the particulates removed. Uh, We get a nice, fresh, lemony scent, all of that good stuff. So anyway, I was unpacking this turnout gear... And, uh, from the bag that it came in and I noticed the big tag inside the coat pocket that says danger, right? You guys probably have all seen that. Those of you in fire. So I took a minute or two and I actually read this label. I don't know if any of you <laughs> ever read this label, but it was the first time I'd ever read it in my whole life. I've been doing this for 16 years. First time I ever read that label. Anyway, uh, it's like its job is to dissuade you from being a firefighter, and yet they put it right there inside the coat. Danger, right? So let me read to you what a sample tag looks like. And this first part that I'm about to read is in all capitals, which means that it is super extra important. So just know that. Here we go. Do not use this garment if you have not read and understood the entire F E M S a official user information guide and all labels for U S A R protective garment. Now that's USAR. That's the company that, um, or model. I'm not even sure if it's the company or the model, but I think it's like fire decks that makes the USAR gear. Anyway, this label continues. USAR operations are ultra hazardous, unavoidably dangerous activities Neither this protective garment nor any other will protect you from all burns, injuries, diseases, conditions, or hazards. No protective garment can replace proper training and constant practice in USAR tactics and safety. Consistent with OSHA regulations, this garment is offered for departments, paid or volunteer, or other employers to evaluate and decide for themselves whether or not it provides an acceptable level of protection for their emergency operations. Whew, that was a long sentence. You may be killed, burned, injured, or suffer disease or illness with no warning and no sign of damage to this garment. Now here's where it really gets good. You will increase your risk of death, burns, burns. Injury, disease, or illness if you do not strictly comply with the entire FEMSA official user information guide and all labels. Wearing this or any other protective garment may increase your risk of heat stress, which may cause heart attack, stroke, dehydration, and other ailment up to including illness, injury, or death. Boy, wasn't that lovely? Just motivating, right? What does all this have to do with today's topic? Well, I'll tell you. As first responders, we have a serious and noble mission to preserve human life, to rescue those in peril, and to be a calming, stabilizing force in chaos. Our standard workspaces represent inarguably hazardous environments, and we're exposed to risks both known and unknown on every single call. If we train our people to put safety first as the absolute principle, does it mean we stop fighting fires or extricating people from vehicles until technology has been developed that ensures baseline safety rather than baseline danger? Of course we're not going to do that. But in a philosophy that's perhaps itself dangerous, we continue to preach safety first while simultaneously and paradoxically encouraging our people to normalize risk and push past the everyday and obvious warnings. All too often, we teach cookbook training as the best risk mitigation. Essentially, if you follow these steps, you can safely ignore the warning inside your turnout gear. And the truth is, emergency services are far safer today than they were 20 years ago. But risk is still high, and we face a lot of different threats today like fires burn quicker, fires burn hotter, quicker. Um, No amount of training will ever make the risk zero or the possibility of safety first, either a philosophical or operational reality. So how do we keep ourselves safe while still effectively accomplishing the inherently dangerous mission? We put safety third. I was first introduced to this concept while listening to a podcast by Mike Rowe. And you all know Mike Rowe. He hosted the show Dirty Jobs, and he does a lot of voice work, like narrating Deadliest Catch. Anyway, back in 09, he and his crew would use the term Safety Third on Dirty Jobs, and it became a running joke of the show. So through several seasons of taping the show, Mike and his crew suffered numerous injuries while working with professionals from all kinds of different fields, And they used this term safety third as like a way to diffuse the tension, right? Throughout his experiences, he noticed that there were numerous reminders of safety first on banners, OSHA placards, and even some hand-drawn signs. And Mike noted that his injuries most often occurred when he let his guard down. He contends that constant reminders of safety first lose their impact and can create the illusion that someone else is looking out for the employee especially if operations frequently do not, in fact, put safety first. He points out that although many regulations exist to attempt to protect workers, quote, just because you're in compliance doesn't mean you're safe. Mike and his crew started using the phrase safety third, like I mentioned, to remind each other that safety was ultimately their individual responsibility and was more complex than an absolute first priority. Thinking of the organizations that try to convince you that your safety is their number one priority, I can't help but think of the airline companies who tell you that thing as you strap yourself into a giant metal tube that's about to go careening through the sky at hundreds of miles an hour. Is your safety their number one priority? Or is getting you from one place to the next their number one priority while making a significant profit? Now, to me, there's nothing wrong with admitting this. I would much rather have that honesty up front. And, and I understand that's why airlines exist, right? To fly you from here to there. And like I said, in all reality, I'd prefer them just to be honest, rather than try to convince me that my safety is their number one priority. This is where organizations embrace optics rather than principles. They choose harmony over honesty, which is no way to build a quality culture. So if safety, let's use that airline example for a minute. If safety was their number one priority, then you'd never leave the ground, right? But that doesn't bode well for the airline business whose job it is to fly you from here to there. So this begs the question, is there a place for safety third in fire and EMS? As first responders, we constantly participate in a risk-reward balancing act. Our mission will always involve risk, always. And the reward may not always be worth it, which is why we should operate off of a risk management model. And I talked about that back in episode 13. The safety third concept has a direct correlation to fire and EMS because risk is at the heart of what we do. We understand that we take risks to perform those things that we need to on emergency scenes. When we embrace the idea that there are things that take priority over our individual and personal safety, like the rescue and well-being of others, keeps danger on the forefront of our minds, which is exactly where it should be. If it's not, that's what's known as complacency. And that is something that is a proven killer. So what can we do to put the idea of safety third into practice? Well, it comes down to the basic things that make us great at our jobs be in good physical condition to perform your job. That is the bare minimum barrier for entry into fire and EMS. That's it. Stay on, and then uh, another thing, stay on top of the standards and practices of your local jurisdiction. So understand how your organization operates, understand what like legal liabilities there are in EMS. You want to understand and and make sure you're at uh, the, Forefront of knowing what changes might be made in your treatment algorithms all that good stuff So stay on top of the standards and practices of your local jurisdiction and then finally Have healthy ways to emotionally and mentally decompress This doesn't mean going to vegas every four day and just slamming alcohol and destroying your body What it means is Maybe only do that Once every three months. I don't know, but (laughs) you need to have something put in place that can help you decompress without harming yourself. That's the key. And all these things that I just listed off sound familiar, right? You hear me talk about these things ad nauseum, and I'm going to continue to do that. So, moving forward, make sure that you've addressed all those areas in your own life. It's not anyone else's responsibility to make sure you're up to par in any of those areas. It's your responsibility. So, own it, make a plan. Make the changes needed to get to where you need to be. And maybe, I don't know, maybe Safety Third can become your new battle cry when you're packed out and ready to go into a burning structure for a primary search, right? (laughs) Maybe it can be the running joke with your EMS crew when you're working a significant MBA while on the freeway. Safety Third, guys. No matter how you embrace it, Understand that we are the ones in the field who should be making safety third in order to perform the jobs we signed up for. What are some examples you can think of where people push safety first, but that clearly isn't the case when it comes to what needs to get done? Can you add something to the conversation? If so, do it in the Facebook group, www.facebook.com groups slash ignited firefighter podcast community, or you can click the link in the show notes. It's a great way to connect with me and firefighters from all over the world to help gain some perspective and add some information to your arsenal. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at IgnitedFF. Engage with me and the rest of us in the group. It's a perfect way, like I said, to share and obtain new ways to arm yourself with some strategies so you can stand firm in your principles and do the job you love. If you want to take a look at the products and merchandise that I'm currently offering, Visit www.ignitedff.com. I've also got a little reading list of books that I would highly recommend to anyone who's looking to better themselves or become more relentless or refine their mentality. All of that. There's a little link on the top that says Reading List. So click it, see what books speak to you, and then share maybe some books that speak to you that aren't on the list. Share it in the group. Either way, thanks for listening, and until next time, if you see a need, Own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited.